0: Hey, everybody. Jason here. Welcome back to Linux for Everyone, and welcome home. I have been uh, on a Linux journey now for about three years or so, and it has been incredible. There have been twists and turns and unexpected surprises, uh, unexpected disappointments, and the community along the way has just been an absolute joy. Um This journey has taught me so much. It has brought me so much. There have been a lot of of parallels, a lot of similarities between my Linux journey and my journey as a uh, a Linux-based content creator. And so I'm here to give you some good news and some bad news. And um, to some of you, to many of you, this might just be all around great news. (laughs) No bad news to speak of. We'll see. This is the last episode of Linux for Everyone, as you have come to know it. But it's not the end of the show. Not at all. The next episode of Linux for Everyone that comes down the pipe, I will be joined by my brand new permanent co-hosts, Shickle and Jerry Morrison. Now, Shickle, if you've uh, seen him around the community or on the YouTube channel here and there, you know that he is an absolute riot. He is incredibly insightful for his age. And uh, he's just fun. Like, he's fun to talk with. And also sitting down in the co-hosting chair is my friend and songwriting partner in crime, Jerry Morrison. And Jerry has a wealth of production experience. Uh, he's been in a, in a band that was, his, that was his life for quite a while. The band is Bleach. You should check them out. He has a ton of technical experience with both macOS and Linux, and the reason that I am having them join the show is uh, there's many, many reasons for it, so let me lay them out for you very quickly. Number one, I can't do this alone anymore, uh, and, I, and I'm and i choosing not to, but the time investment for doing a solo production like this is enormous, uh, from... The, the time and the research that it takes to have the knowledge and experience of what you're going to discuss on the show, the time uh, planning for a guest slot, uh, the interview itself, the setup time, the editing, the uh, the post-production, you know, the show notes, the, the thumbnails, there's just so much that goes into it, and uh, it's a burden that... I feel like if I continue to do this solo, the show will suffer as it has, let's be honest. And you know what? This is an important aspect of this change. Jerry and Schickle will keep me honest and they will help ensure that there is an objective approach to all the discussions that we have. You know, we're all going to have different opinions, we all have different backgrounds. And Sometimes it's really easy to, sl- for me, <laughs> being like Mr. Positive about everything, uh, to slip into this role where I am a little bit a little bit complacent and a little bit of a cheerleader instead of asking the hard questions. And um, having this group dynamic, I think, will enable us to ask those hard questions and to talk about them fairly and in an approachable way that a lot of people can, uh, can enjoy and relate to without you know without dragging it down into the the negative and the and the toxic side of of things. And one of the other reasons is I just I love talking to these guys and we have such a fun rapport and I think that's going to come across in the show. Um I can't wait. We've had a couple pre-production meetings already and what's really cool about this is it's going to be a video first type of production but you won't really lose anything in the audio. So It will be on the uh, Linux for Everyone YouTube and Odyssey channels, but it will also be coming down the RSS feed. Wherever you are subscribing to the podcast right now, you're still going to get it right there, so you don't need to do anything. The plan right now is to do the show every other week, so there will be two new episodes of Linux for Everyone per month, and uh, we're going to switch up the content a little bit, but also bring back some, uh, some what I think were crowd favorites, like the Discovery of the Week. Uh, the app spotlight type of thing that that I love to do and love shining a light on the open source magicians out there who are making our our desktop Linux experience so much better and just yeah just so much better and there's going to be some new segments as well that that sort of expand the uh the content opportunities that we have as well as the guests. It goes without saying that uh that you guys deserve a lot of thanks for your patience. I know that the last, I don't know, year or so uh, with the Linux for Everyone podcast has been all over the place in terms of tone, in terms of content, in terms of frequency. And this is a, a genuine attempt to fix all of that and to have a better show and, and to have better conversations and, uh, and to, to, you know, hopefully try to take this thing to the next level as I've been able to do on YouTube the, the video side of Linux for Everyone is blowing up, and by now I hope that you've at least seen a few videos. Um, I would love for you to uh, to check all that stuff out on either YouTube or Odyssey. So for this episode, Linux for Everyone episode 53, the last solo show, I guess, um, I wanted to take care of some unfinished business. I recorded an interview with System76's uh, Aaron Honeycutt, back in July when I was at the sea for the summer and uh, I wanted you to hear some of that conversation and I also wanted you to hear some of my thoughts on Valve's Steam Deck again but now I know in episode 52 that was kind of the the sole focus um of the of the episode but things are really happening it's really exciting and it's it's not just exciting for Linux gamers it's exciting because it is elevating the profile of the Linux desktop in general. And it's super, super cool what's been happening. Um, So we're gonna talk about that a little bit, and then I'm gonna say goodbye. And when I come back, I'll have some company. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Aaron Honeycutt of System76. And then once that is over, uh, I'll go ahead and cut right into my thoughts on the new developments with Valve's Steam Deck. All right, guys, enjoy. Mr. Aaron Honeycutt, welcome to Linux for Everyone. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so we were talking a little bit before uh, before I hit record that uh, we have chatted before. We we actually met in person at Superfan Three back in the um, pre-COVID era of life, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and you were actually recently on episode fifty-two for a few minutes uh, during that Twitter Spaces <laughs> conversation about the Steam Deck, uh, and so. This has been a long time coming, though. I think we've been talking about doing this for a few weeks, at least. This seems like the right time because uh, Linux gaming is at an all-time hype, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks, and <being> uh, <laughs> uh,
0: what I told Aaron, you guys, is I just said, look, let's... Aaron, what you need to know is uh, Aaron works at System76, and we're, we'll talk a little bit about his position there, but he's not here as, an, as a System76 spokesperson, uh, he's here as a community member, a Linux enthusiast, and a gamer. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the way that I'm framing this conversation. Why don't we kick it off by uh, having you tell us a little bit about your role at System76 and actually how you came to be
1: at System76. Um, I'm a happiness engineer is what we're called there on part of the happiness team and technical support. Uh, I started in September of 2017, whatever it was, four years ago-ish, because next month will be my four-year anniversary there. Um, I started because I was trying to look around and get into an actual technical job uh, before I was 25, before having a quarter-life crisis. <laughs> um, I think I met Emma at Southeast Linux Fest, and I was told to apply there. Got interviewed, got wanting the meet to meet up with Carl, then I got scared, uh, crapless basically, kind of chickened out. Reapplied the next year, and then went all in, and now I'm here. <laughs> That's awesome. So what what what? Uh, why did you chicken out? What what it happened? It was a big move because it was like at the time it was kind of required to move, and I'm like not really financially on my own to like because I was living with my parents at the time so I wasn't really financially stable to like oh that's going to cost like two grand to get a U-Haul truck to move across the, the country basically that is that a big commitment one.
0: <laughs> not even the money part yeah. but just up, uprooting your whole life and going across the country but it was I mean it was to Colorado so that's not a terrible thing so what? what's kind of an average day as a as a happiness engineer or is there well, an average day <laughs>
1: Uh, most, of, mm, most of the team is working remote at this point. I'm going into the office because my partner works at System76 as well in the production team. So I it just made more sense rather than me driving four times each way back and mm. forth to drop her off, work from home, pick her up. I just started going at the same time and I got my own little desk up front. And I got a nice upgraded desk this time, standing desk and all that stuff, so... I go in, uh, get started in the day, talk with people. Sometimes get some coffee and talk in and start helping people out. Man, I you know what's weird about when you, <laughs>
0: when you talk about the office, right? the, the yeah. um, I don't know. I th- I think of it as more of a like a warehouse or a production facility or, but but my biggest memory of being there at System seventy six HQ was the glow in the dark Nerf battle. during during that Thaleo launch. And, you know, that was I don't know, this the whole spirit and atmosphere of that place was so infectious and so much fun. And uh, quite honestly, someday, you know, if if I stopped doing this, I would I would love to work at System76, just because the people there
1: seem so awesome. Yeah, it's always a fun day talking to people. Just it's always fun to have a lot in common with your coworkers and just don't feel like you're working. You're just kind of like having conversations that you would have on the internet, but in person, it's just a whole different vibe here.
0: I have to get used to the uh, the whole having conversations in person again because that's <laughs> that's it's been a minute since I've done that with anyone, but uh, but a couple Croatian friends here, maybe twice in the last I- year.
1: I could tell you like after a year or so plus working from home, it's just a week in the office. I'm like, Oh God, I missed this. Like I could just walk up to somebody and just have an impromptu conversation rather than planning on messaging on the in inner office messaging client. <laughs> yeah. I think we need that. You know,
0: everyone will always say that we're, um, we're social creatures. And as much as, as much as some of us like solitude and privacy, you just can't, you can't do that forever. So does System76 have any crazy outlandish rules like you have to use Pop! OS and you have to uh, use <laughs> uh, like an Oryx Pro or a Galago or, you know, anything weird like that?
1: When I was working from home, I've had Pop! OS on my machine here, my custom build here, and Pop! OS on the work system that I have. But I was also dual booting. I have my own custom desktop at home that I was using for work from my home. But I also have the Orks Pro that I use at the office. That's like the work machine. But there's not any restrictions. And they'll they'll just ask you like, hey, what do you like about this one? What do you like about that one? And just that's your personal preference. As long as you can get what you need done. It doesn't I don't think it really matters as strongly as you would think. And it definitely has helped me in support having more experience with other distributions and stuff like that. Because I've worked on Fedora, I worked on Arch, I've worked on other distributions, Debian ten slash eleven on my works Pro and Galago, just to have the experience.
0: That must be really beneficial. I mean, you know, having all of that um, different desktop environment experience and package managers and. All of it, you know, just l- kind of learning all those different ecosystems. Does it make you, does it make you ever want to distro hop? Have you, um, have you stuck with the distro that you're on for a while or do you, do you hop around yourself personally?
1: I mainly stick to pop OS and arch for the main part even my message on our i guess we could just say slack is as the arch logo and license until 2050 <laughs> that's what my thing is <laughs> so whenever there's arch tickets when there's arch tickets i i they just throw it at me and i'm like okay i'll take them i'll just take the arch tickets that's fine <laughs> i have my galico like, i can test with things my personal Galgo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is something i try to do with all of my guests if we have time and I want to hear your Linux origin story, how you first got into Linux.
1: I think the first distribution was probably Ubuntu, like a huge part part of most people is like, I think I messed around with Ubuntu 10.10. So it was predate unity. I think that was my first distribution It's kind of just like, let me try this out and see how it works. And I think I had a Dual boot working at the time. And it was a quite a fun experience because my strongest memory of it was I was trying to customize Windows, so I messed around with some system files, as one probably shouldn't do. But I did back up the file before I did it. And when I rebooted, Windows is like, nope, not having this. So I boot back into Ubuntu, go in the Windows file system, restored the backup, rebooted, and Windows is happy again. So Ubuntu literally saved Windows. at my biggest memory.
0: <laughs> I've heard of that happening quite a bit. Um, you know, throwing in a, a live USB, or back in the day, a live CD, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Those were things one t- once upon a time. Yeah, that live file system has been around for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, I think.
1: Debian was, no, it was it was a distro that started with, like, K-N or something that was Debian-based. Like, not no,
0: Nopix, maybe? Yeah, I
1: yeah. think it was that one. That was the one that really started a live distribution from my memory. Like, because you'll see that load from time to time in the earlier distros, since they like rebranded it and stuff.
0: You know, that's something that um, never ceases to blow my mind. Even, like, three years into this Linux journey is the fact that I can have a fully functional operating system on a USB stick.
1: (laughs) It's amazing how often that will be helping with just general troubleshooting too. Like, it's just amazing. I'm like, Oh, it works here. Then it works. Then it's something on your OS level. Then if it's not hardware, you know, if it works in a live disc. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You guys. um, So when you sell, system 76 hardware you do your absolute best as far as i know to support any linux distro or windows is that right
1: there's a lot of best effort on the other distros part it's been kind of moving a little bit more but not officially more on my at least from my testing that i've done because i've updated documentation and stuff to cover other distros that i can okay. from tax experience it's just kind of a best effort kind of thing for Windows, we try to help you install it and get that working because we understand there's some software that you still need that for to just get your daily work done. Like you want the machine to work at the end of the day for what you need it to do.
0: Has there ever been anything that just completely stumped you or, or, the, or the team?
1: I know the one case when I started really noticing like if someone had something plugged into an outlet and they had a cleaning service come around. Because it kept shutting down. The system kept shutting down at a certain time when I was looking at things and figured out that I could t- tr- uh, figure that when it was shutting down. Bring it in. Nothing happened at the factory warehouse. And then we send it back. It started doing it again and then looked at the time frames. And then I figured out that the cleaner was disconnecting it during when the cleaning <laughs> at night. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you figure yeah, that out by just looking at a... the, like...
0: Activity logs of the system and and talking to the the client. Yeah,
1: there's a shutdown. I can't remember the command that would show you like the times and stuff when the shutdown occurred. There's also like an abrupt shutdown in journal CTL that'll show you. Okay. Okay. Kind of. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was the funniest memory that I've had so far. One more system 76
0: question. What is your favorite thing about working there? I think the people, honestly.
1: All right, that was that, that was, was yeah, that me, was
0: too but. easy. No, because I just got we kind of both <laughs> said that already. All right, that was too easy. Aaron. Um, okay. <laughs> what is your favorite hardware release the System 76 has ever done?
1: Mm, the launch. The keyboard, really? Is that also too easy.
0: <laughs> no, no, it isn't. I just I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting.
1: One of the Thaleos, honestly. I mean, the Thaleos, I, I love the Thaleos. The airline line is amazing at what it does. I just, I was never so hyped for a product as the keyboard. It's like, I just love the idea that I can have multiple layers programmed, both to my OS. Yeah. Super key is a generic, generic super word that just isn't distro agnostic. It's distro agnostic to the core. It's just a great product.
0: Well, and plus, it's, I mean, it's built from the ground up inside of the company mm-hmm. and that's pretty
1: incredible yep. you know it's the first it's the first product that just really pushed like hey you want to use on X? here you go if you want to use on a mac here you go if you want to use it on, mac, here use it on windows here you go yeah just it's a very entry point
0: i i've got to get it just one feels someday. like it
1: completes the setup
0: <laughs> but honestly i'm i'm gonna have to just buy one if i'm ever in the states again because it's just too expensive to get one here to croatia
1: yeah i I saw the tweet about like a hundred plus dollars for international shipping it is a bit harsh. yeah, it's the biggest pain point, I think for a lot of companies just international shipping costs are just outrageous.
0: Well, yeah, and you know we won't get into it because i I did talk to Jeremy yeah. about that quite extensively, but it is it is a shame because I always run into people from Europe or other countries uh, outside of europe who who are like, Man, I really want to buy a an Oryx Pro or a Thalio or even a launch, but you know, I'm gonna to go to somebody more local because it's just too expensive. It's not it's not System76's fault. It's not the price, it's not the MSRP. It's just like you said, it's the shipping and the VAT and the import fees and the, the headaches and you know. <laughs> about uh about three and a half weeks ago. Juno Computers shipped me a couple of review laptops. I got them two days ago. They're in uh, they're in the UK. So they're physically not too too far from us, right? Right. But in the world of bureaucracy and Brexit, well, they're like planets away from
1: us. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, I had followed that little yeah, so we,
0: for the audience, I'll just kind of sum it up real quick. It's uh, it's quite a story, but I won't get too too far into the weeds. Basically, uh, they shipped these, and what happens when they arrive at Croatian customs is they will email the uh, receiver, and they will say, "Okay, here's this shipment that's that's coming for you, and we need proof of payment." and then we will determine if uh the value is what you say it is and then we'll charge you the appropriate vat and you know import fees or whatever. Doing what I do that makes it really tricky and they don't really have any rules for what you know a review sample, a loaner, something that you send back that you didn't pay for. It's not in their vocabulary. They just don't get it. Like they don't know what to do about it. So so every time I have to do this power of attorney and and like fill out all these papers saying okay this is why i'm getting it and this is who i am and this is what the value is but the shipper is paying all the all the required fees and so then they have to go to the shipper and so juno says you know yes well we're sending we're sending jason these laptops for review we're a uh, linux laptop company out of the uk and Croatian Customs comes back and they're like, well, we've never heard of you. Uh, you're not Dell IBM or HP. So, <laughs> so then so then there's a delay there. And then and then they're telling Juno that they don't believe that I'm uh a, a YouTuber or, you know, somebody who is in a position to do this in Croatia, right? And so then I had to send them, Aaron, I had to send them links to a couple of videos where i'm actually filming out on the sea <laughs> and and then a link to this article i did a couple years ago um about watching the world cup through the you know the eyes uh, through the eyes of an american in croatia and so I had, we both had to sort of like prove our cases it was insane Oof. So that's why yes. I don't actually review a lot of hardware that does not originate outside of Europe anymore. It's just a massive, massive headache, and it's a shame.
1: Want to talk about games? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really, really do. Um, at the risk of doing two episodes in a row on gaming, I really it doesn't bother me because <laughs> I have gone, <laughs> I have gone heavily down the rabbit hole, and really, that's, I mean. Uh you know with apologies to people who aren't gamers this is still an important conversation for any linux enthusiast to, to listen to I think because Valve has been for the last uh, nine or 10 years they have been on this path to free to free gamers from windows and to free themselves from Windows, and to have this backup plan, and to, and to you know, boost up Linux into, well, a first-class citizen when it comes to gaming. And they, they, you know, yeah, they tried the Steam machines, and that was a failure because it was too soon, and because Valve wasn't in charge of the hardware, and they weren't in charge of that total vision, I think. But even if you're not a gamer, I think this is a very, very important time. It's an awesome time, actually, to be a <laughs> Linux user because we're in, it's, it's nuts. We're in this place where, um, so not only did, did Linus Tech Tips have the, uh, the recent hands-on from Valve HQ, but then they had the WAN show. And they spent like 45 minutes talking even more about Steam Deck. And here's a quote from from uh, from Linus Sebastian. He says, "It's about a lot more than Steam Deck. This is gaming on Linux, guys. It's not just Windows anymore. It's not just Intel anymore. This is the ultimate underdog story. You've got AMD, Linux. It's exciting. And the whole the whole segment was like that, where." Linus was basically like, I'm so hyped about gaming on Linux and I'm so hyped about how this frees gamers from, you know, the the Windows ecosystem gives them a choice. And it's just, and then you've got, you know, mainstream press and news outlets covering this thing. And it's not, it's not, I I don't think it's unreasonable to say that by this time next year, Valve may have sold a million of these things that run Linux.
1: I I would think so as well. It's I think one of the biggest things that they did was not advertise Linux as strongly, because I've seen Austin Evans and other prominent YouTubers at tech just talking about it and they don't even need to mention it. Just like, hey, this is a mobile gaming system.
0: Yeah, Linus Linus summed it up by saying this is a Ultrabook crammed into a smaller form factor. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, that makes
1: it actually seem really affordable. We were playing what's Volian, the game written in Rust the other night, and uh, Alex on our team was playing it on the Framework laptop, and he's just like, this is almost on par with everything else I could experience on something this size. It's just gotten much better gaming performance-wise.
0: Yeah, that's true. Even the performance has, has, you know, when Proton first launched, um, the experience was okay, but the performance hit was pretty big. And now it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where you really can't tell the difference. I, I did a, a comparison on uh, our YouTube channel of this new game called The Ascent, which is awesome, by the way. It's, uh, it's a cyberpunk action RPG with twin stick shooter combat.
1: It's, it's excellent. Anyway. Ooh, I, I've seen of it and I kind of want to get it now. <laughs> I've been wanting to get it once I first saw mention of it. And look, like, that sounds pretty amazing.
0: But I did a side-by-side comparison of, of the game maxed out. Graphics maxed out at 4K on uh, Kubuntu and on Windows 10. And there was maybe a three or four FPS difference. In favor of Windows, but still, yeah. that's that's almost negligible, you know?
1: Yeah, especially like most average consumers, at least on the Steam Deck in question, its most users are probably not even going to realize that they can optimize this and change settings. This is going to be at the default optimization that they're used to seeing on a console, quote-unquote, and they're not even going to notice that that difference there because it's just been it's locking at it that a frame per second so you're just not even going to notice that difference is going to play out as you expect it to and you're not even going to know what underlining is running it
0: yeah it's there there's there's so much every day I, I keep running into people who are like dude think about the fact that not only is this a handheld like, PC gaming console I don't even know what to call it Valve calls it a computer, so let's call it a computer. It's a handheld computer that plays games. I guess I don't know what to call it, um, but they're like, man, yeah. Do you realize you could? This is this is a game, a handheld game console where you could like take your Steam screenshots and then crop them and share them, and you can have all of your all of your streaming services just in bookmarks on Steam. And you can do video editing, and you can dock it and use your uh, your Steam Deck as a second display for like Twitch chat while you play. And it's just, you know, there's it's a computer, so you can do anything with it. And it's a Linux computer, so you can do
1: a hell of a lot with it. You're not limited on what you can even do with the file system, packages, anything, really, at that point. You just, it's a locked computer. <laughs> I guess my point is, I think this is going
0: to eventually make some waves and eventually uh, raise the profile of Linux in the mainstream. And I don't know how that's so going well. to shake out exactly. You know, I don't know. Is is everyone going to start just talking about Arch and Kubuntu if this thing sells 5 million units? Um, are there going to be other companies like Asus in Alienware, selling their own Steam decks, right? Alien deck, Asus deck, (laughs) uh, with their own designs, but but the same Steam OS, you know? I mean, what if somebody comes along after Valve and makes the design even better? What if Razer, what what would Razer's take on a Steam deck look like, you know? That's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about like five years out, and it kind of blows my mind.
1: I think it's kind of interesting because they... Razer in question already have, like, adapters to phones and stuff. I'm mm. just wondering, they already have experience with making basically handhelds. wonder what their take would be on it. And with that sidetracked to making, hey, now we have Razer programs and drivers in Linux because, well, they wanted <gasps> to make basically a Steam Deck competitor. Yeah, see? See? Th- there you go. <laughs> the like, that's something I had never even considered.
0: Effect. That's something I had never even thought about until you said it. I, 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 am, I am so excited to see what other revelations um, come out once this thing actually launches and get into, gets into
1: people's hands. And if you get to the mass market, like imagine the bug reports and stuff that would could contribute upstream and just fix things that we might not have normally seen in us, I guess, quote unquote advanced users eyes, the beneficials or you can't even think of it right now, <laughs> how far it could go.
0: Yeah, I just, um, I really, my my sincere hope here is that Valve is not just giving everyone lip service about working with uh, anti cheat vendors, and you know, saying saying kind of vague statements like we haven't seen a game yet that won't run on the deck. Okay, well, are you avoiding games like Destiny Two and Fortnite?
1: <laughs> are those games working? Are in your like, Five has never launched from the get-go on Proton. It's never worked. At least I've never gotten past like the very intro, like logo of the for the company. Ah, well, <laughs> because oh. that's using anti using anti cheat. That's never been fully loading. The workaround the
0: workaround there is uh, the fact that Steam Deck is also a basically a portable Xbox. So mm-hmm. Xbox Cloud, and there you go. But that's not what people want people no, they want, want
1: go from the get
0: go. People do not want to click install gears 5 and then have it not launch because that's a deal breaker. That's a oh, this this thing's a lemon. This is this doesn't work. I want to send it back. That's what mm. the majority. I know there's a lot of people out there saying, "Oh, people will just install Windows on it." No they won't. For the same reason they won't get a new laptop from from uh, Best Buy or Amazon and install Linux on it
1: because people don't do that. They don't want to deal with the hassle. They want something that just works out of the gate. Exactly. So I mean, do you think, do, what
0: is your opinion on the overall compatibility picture when this thing launches?
1: I don't know. It's difficult to tell because they haven't released anything about from what I can see about CMOS 3.0. There's nothing on GitHub from what I can tell that similar to how they uploaded it there. I'm hoping i don't i can't think of a moment where they haven't actually owned up to what they've said to some degree Mm -hmm. i honestly think that some are not gonna work out of the gate and they're just gonna ship like the most triple a games that maybe they'll go on based on proton db and see what the main games like dota or uh destiny 2 and get those working and then they'll just call it a day for launch and then continue working on it that's i think my best hope is they'll call it that hey it's working we'll push some more out updates later the proton as the release goes out that's the best case scenario i think for me for my eyes i think that's
0: i think that's fair i think that's realistic on the other hand valve only has to optimize technically they only have to optimize that game for one device and one operating system
1: that's like i've always like like consoles to some degree i love le- gaming on pc in general but i just like the user endpoint of consoles just like there's yeah. only one targeted device that you have to focus on maybe three-ish depending on the multiple upgrades of a generation <laughs> lifetime of a console like ps4 yeah. slim ps4 pro and stuff oh sure but realistically you only have one targeted hardware point versus thousands on pc
0: yeah i mean what you're right when you look at uh proton db you know, if you go in there and look at something, I, I don't know, pick any, any AAA game and go take a look, you will inevitably never see this game worked flawlessly across the board. It's always going to be like, this game wouldn't even launch on Ubuntu 20.04 with Proton Experimental, but it plays flawlessly on Arch with Proton Experimental. Because there's, you know, there's all the hardware combinations and we, who knows how many things could be affecting uh, Proton as a compatibility layer, right? And so, yeah, I think Valve's job is a lot easier when they're not saying, guys, every game on Steam is going to work on Linux. They're saying they're going to, it's going to work on the deck, Mm -hmm. but it's only, and, and you know what, what's interesting about that? I feel like perhaps this is a big, this is a hot take. Okay. If you guys want my hot take, uh, I think the, the obvious part is that this is going to, uh, eventually benefit all of Linux gaming across the entire desktop Linux ecosystem. But my hot take is that I think it's going to benefit
1: AMD users more. Makes complete sense, honestly, because they're hitting AMD hardware directly from the, bottom-up, basically.
0: Yeah. All AMD. And then if you ever get developers, you know, all it takes is a certain... Uh, Linux Linux gaming might not have the chicken and egg problem anymore. I, there's so many possibilities and variants that could, that could play out here. And I'm really excited to see it play out, however it happens. <laughs> it's not going to be bad. If Valve has already sold in the first 24 hours, allegedly 100,000... Well, reserved, excuse me. Um, yeah, reserved a hundred thousand units. Who knows how many they've done by now? And three of those units, their system 76 employees on team. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I've got one. I've got one reserved. I'm the 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 <laughs> high end one. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh but you know, it's just a numbers game. It's just numbers talk. And what happens? What happens if by December 2022 valve has sold a million Steam decks do you know what that means? that means the Linux gaming user base on the valve hardware, hardware survey doubles it doubles it's like two percent okay but that's like I two million saw, but- users and I mean that it, it's just it could snowball we don't know let's keep talking about gaming I don't know what do you play?
1: What are what are your staples? Uh, I was one of the lucky few that's recently got a PS5, so I've been oh. kind of crunching that around a lot with playing the new Ratchet and Clank game. So I had to I have to play that obviously cuz it came with a console. <laughs> Man, 100% of that. I love Ratchet and Clank. That. Yep, yep. And then and then I played Spider Man Miles Well 100 percent that now I'm trying to play Fall Order Star Wars Fallen Order 100 that that
0: oh so of, you're a you're a hundred percent guy you're an achievement hunter basically
1: Uh to some degree when I got uh I've played both Spider Man games for the PS4 and five and I've gotten those 100 percent including DLC so I'm like uh, this is an itch no no bad so yeah I've been kind of on that streak but yeah. Now I'm discovering what games will work on PopOS on this (laughs) ultra-wide. And so far, Halo has been, like, the top one that really works really well on it, surprisingly.
0: I mean, I have so many amazing memories playing the original Halo on Xbox. Um, Me and my friends, Jeff and Sean, we would frequently, like, stay at each other's houses overnight. And this kid's was back in a time where you lugged over your Xbox and your television. <laughs> okay. Not your flat screen television, your big ass television with the, Ooh. you know, CRT style. I don't know what they were called. Uh, I think they're
1: CRT, like the big tube ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They, I think they were CRT televisions back then. Maybe white, maybe flat screens were, were coming <laughs> into the picture, but I couldn't afford one. So I had an old school one. You know, that was, that was a LAN. That was multiplayer, folks. <laughs> Lug your Xbox I, I remember, and your TV I, to your I friend's remember, house. I too. But yeah, so that like that to uh, me yeah. is is a timeless franchise and I want that to work. Because I I I love the multiplayer and I don't always, you know, I don't really have the time to like connect with people and do a custom game and disable EAC so that you can play custom <laughs> multiplayer with certain people. But um yeah, I'm with you. I hope that I hope that Valve solves this problem. And if they do
1: then we are in for a wonderful ride. It's gonna be a really interesting ride. I've <laughs> I'm trying to get back in the Warframe because it's launching crossplay soon. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. Let me start a clan. I want to do this again because Warframe. I, just, I love more games that you work with other people versus working against each other. Oh man, just, I don't. Yeah, like the it kind of annoys you when you're like, uh, "Are they better, or is the internet connection killing me?"
0: <laughs> well, it's it's also stressful the the competitive aspect. Um, mm-hmm. I I enjoy playing Call of Duty, and yes, I do that on Windows because I don't have a choice. Um, yeah, and I'm fairly good at it, but you can only handle so much of that because it's it's fast paced and it's aggressive and it's competitive. And you don't really feel relaxed at the end of a Call of Duty session. And so yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. Like I would like to play more co-op multiplayer games with people. And that is a good um a good excuse for maybe a few of us to get together and play Back for Blood. That'll be fun. You just classic have classic to... zombie shooting style. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's uh It looks really good, too. It looks gorgeous.
1: (laughs) I haven't watched the video just yet, but I certainly believe you, because it's the art style is good, too.
0: I have been, uh, for the first time ever, I am hooked on an MMO. And that MMO is Final Fantasy XIV, just like everyone else and their mother and their daughters. And their... (sighs) cousins, and uh, yes, folks, it runs on Linux, it runs really, really well on Linux Would you kick
1: me out if I said I've never played a Final Fantasy game?
0: No oh,
1: No, Okay, no, cool. I wouldn't <laughs> There's some people who are just like you've never played that, I'm like, no I, I, I didn't start at 1 when I first thought of it, I'm like, I didn't start at 1, so how can I keep going, and then I learned that it's not connected at all, kind of thing. No, no <laughs> It's like at fourteen, that's a long running game. Not connected. Thank God they're not connected. Um,
0: <laughs> there are certain threads and certain characters that you'll you'll see move from game to game, like Sid or like the Moogles. or you know, but nothing. Uh, the no, they're they're not really connected hmm. narratively at all. Uh, and most people most people started with Final Fantasy VII.
1: Yeah, I've heard that's, like, the highlight part of that. It's, like, that's where, like, everyone... Because that was a PS1 or 2 game, I think.
0: Uh, PS1.
1: Yeah. yeah Four discs. So, it was... Oh, dear God. I remember no, that game fondly. Fondly, I remember let's that not game. Let's go back to that many disc Uh... But uh, games it's, might be getting larger download size, but I don't have to worry about DVDs. I'm not CDs. actually.
0: I'm not. Uh, I'm not a diehard Final Fantasy fan. I mean, I haven't finished very many of them. I've only finished seven and thirteen. But there's. I don't know, man. I I have hated MMOs. I tried. I tried so hard to get into World of Warcraft when I met my wife because she was a diehard World of Warcraft fan. She doesn't have time for it anymore, but uh, I just, it was so grindy and repetitive. I tried Guild Wars. I've tried the Old Republic, the Lord of the Rings, like, or not Lord of the Rings. um, I don't know, the Skyrim one. What is that? (laughs) Uh, Elder, Uh, no. uh,
1: Elder Scrolls? Elder Scrolls, yeah. I
0: tried that. I couldn't get into it. But this one is just, I don't know. It's, It's um... It's beautiful, it's story driven The community is so friendly and welcoming It reminds me of the Linux for Everyone community And it's just a joy It's a joy to play
1: I find it funny that you say wow As my partner behind me is playing wow On Pop Say that again, I didn't hear you My, You say wow when my partner behind me Is playing wow on Pop Ah,
0: okay no, I mean nothing against nothing against World of Warcraft. I just I couldn't no, I get know. into it, and I.
1: It's just funny. I I tried getting into it too. It just it it's a lot of grinding. I think Warframe is grinding too. A lot of those MMOS in general are grinding. But I think it's the fantasy setting, at least for me, that I just can't get into.
0: Oh, uh, I see. I see. I even I mean I even got into Fantasy Star Online too for a while, but it just didn't it didn't really hold me like I thought it would. Not like the original did. Anyway, well, uh, thank you for listening to the Games for Everyone
1: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the never-ending Games for Everyone podcast, <laughs> live stream twenty-four hours a day. That
0: was a thing for people who don't know. We did try the whole Games for Everyone thing, but it didn't. It just didn't work out. Maybe someday. Um, because i I like having these conversations. I don't know if everyone enjoys listening to them, but I. I got to be honest with you guys. I've started this series on YouTube called "Will It Linux," and it's where I um, I try to check out brand new games and see how well they run, and kind of you know give an overview of the story and the graphics and the performance and any tips that you might need to play them on Linux. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed. I'm up to like three or four videos now, and I've just thoroughly enjoyed this series because I've always been a gamer at heart and um now I'm just kind of digging into it I'm just I guess accepting that I am going to be a diehard gamer maybe not diehard <laughs> time allowing I will be a diehard gamer until I die yeah there's not a lot I mean uh, I think with well it depends on the game of course uh I I will never I'm not going to I'm not going to recommend something that Uh, requires that you install like bleeding edge Mesa or NVIDIA drivers and go into configuration files and all that, you know, no, absolutely not. If you have to do that, it will not Linux in my, in my book, Mm -hmm. it will not Linux.
1: I had to do that for Supreme Commander 2 at first and then <gasps> fine, eventually updated the Fix-It. Borderlands oh 3, my god. Media Codex issues. You just reminded what? me that Supreme Commander exists.
0: <laughs> oh my it god, man.
1: It
0: on one at least That, that game and Age of Empires and Rise of Nations. I, I went through this RTS phase <laughs> and I was hooked so hard <laughs> on those three franchises. Age of Empires, Rise of Nations, and Supreme Commander. Mm.
1: Good times. It's amazing. Doom Eternal, or Protonauts 3 had to have like a video codex thing installed from Windows to play one of the videos in the very beginning of the game. And then you couldn't go for it because it wouldn't play. (laughs) And then now now that just works out of the box. You don't need to do anything. Just built into Proton now. Doom internal had DRM, now it just works with click of a button. It just yeah. so much amazing games now. God, so much games are working. So many games are working now that you don't have to do all those messy configurations anymore. It's I know, so and nice. it's
0: it's not it's not at all good for my free time or my backlog. But really I think I think we are slowly progressing towards not having to do any of that stuff. So what okay, what is uh God, where do we want to go from here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm so I'm so afraid that we're just going to lose people because we're just talking about nothing but games, but in a sense I don't really care because I'm
1: enjoying it. So what's the biggest pull that you have conversation wise, like audience wise? Like what do they want to hear about? That oh, they want to hear about
0: they want to hear about Pop OS and Linux <laughs> laptops normally. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or
0: uh, uh yeah, Lenovo Hardware is a is a big one, really. Hardware is a big one. Um, people really love hearing about hardware, and uh, they also unfortunately love hearing about snaps versus flatpak. So,
1: I you have any if you opinions are, on that? We on. can. <laughs> I'm trying to package some of the popization, like pop cosmic stuff, to Arch currently. I oh, have you? some things working. Some things are not working. Keyboard shortcuts, I think are the biggest thing right now. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, This is, I mean, this is potentially big news. Are you, Oh God, what exactly, no. <laughs> what exactly are you, are you talking about cosmic?
1: Uh, yeah, this is, this is all personal, nothing official, nothing of that nature, just kind of free time. Though. No,
0: I totally understand so, that. It's not that it's not, um, yeah, a company, like a company endorsed thing. Uh, but are you like, are you, are you going to get auto tiling to work on Arch?
1: Auto pop tiling works. Pop shell works on Arch with no forty. There's some shortcuts like Super Q for quitting isn't set by default okay. for some reason. I think it's pulling like by Pop Session package, which I'm trying to either just pull those shortcuts and set them with G settings with a with a shell script, script. but I have Pop Cosmic the doc working and then like workspace as an application on top left works now that everyone because 2110 is going to have known 40s so we've already been mm. working on that so and now that works but i've just been packaging the cosmic general extension the docs so far have worked fine and the theming and this stuff has already been packaged in er anyway so just made a bash to pull those in mainly for me popify as they say it's funny when you think when you work on these side projects, you don't view them as like big news, and then other people view them differently.
0: <laughs> That's, I think, a sign of of someone just being humble about what they're doing. Um, you know about Proton Up, and I think I've actually talked about Proton Up on
1: the podcast before. It's uh, it's on the gaming on Pop West vertical as well. To catch everyone up, real quick.
0: Um, Nasif is the developer of Proton Up, and he's also the guy who's who's responsible for the majority of the Linux for Everyone thumbnails on YouTube and, and Odyssey. Guy is super super talented when it comes to graphic design, and apparently he can also code. And he um, he just made this this very simple uh, CLI utility that automatically installs glorious A-Girl's Proton GE and Think of Proton GE as sort of like a uh, bleeding-edge, rolling version of Valve's Proton. It's just a little bit ahead of the curve and released more frequently. Anyway, he just, you know, he put this thing out into the world. And I, nothing, I mean, he gets, he I don't know, he said he had a few hundred downloads, maybe a thousand downloads or something. And uh, I did a video on it last week. And it was one of my most successful videos in the first few days. <laughs> and he was just like, I cannot believe that, that people, so many people who are Linux gamers, who use Proton, who want an auto-updating CLI utility for Proton are into this. And I said, well, you know, good code is good code. Like a good, the best Software does one thing and does it well, and that's exactly what this does. It's simple, no frills, and it does what it, it's advertised to do. And people like it, and they you know, want it. And then, uh, like, like, three or four hours after that video going live, it was in the Arch AUR. Because, of course, it was. <laughs> I love it. I... But, you know, going, going back to the auto-tiling, you have to realize how much of an impact System76 really had. Because they have made the concept of window tiling approachable. They have basically, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't want to, do not want this to come across as an insult, guys. So just keep that in mind when I say this. They have basically appled auto tiling. I mean, they have appled window tiling is what they've done. They have taken this cool idea and they've made it like approachable and accessible for the masses. And now what I see happening now is so many people are saying, man, I really want auto-tiling on KDE. I really want auto-tiling on this distro or on this distro. That That's the kind of impact this has made.
1: I remember the discussions, like everyone switching to i3 and, and trying that out. And, and I moved to i3 and, and just learning the keyword shortcut keys and having the reference card on my desk to yeah. memorize how to do things.
0: Nobody wants to do that. Okay, maybe some people do. But
1: <laughs> nobody wants to do that. It was fun having being pulled in those meetings about usability of pop shells very beginning, like how, what keyboard shortcuts make the most sense. What have your experience of like, when you're using i3, what is the best keyboard shortcuts that don't make sense? How do you make it better? Because I have been using i3 with like three monitors and most other people in the office engineers were using you with know, three monitors, at least two.
0: You, you interact with a lot of Linux users, and I'm I'm guessing you know some of those people might be new Linux users. Um, for anyone who wants to maybe make the switch to Linux or at least check it out, what is your mm-hmm. what is like
1: your best advice for someone who wants to come to Linux? Probably would try the live disk because. From the live disk, you can see what hardware is detected. What works? Does my Wi-Fi work? Does my touchpad work? Does my Bluetooth work? So you can just see is this something that I can use? Even and you can even install it on a flash drive if you want to keep keep things around. Of course, that's not the most straightforward thing, but just seeing whether this works with your hardware and just oh, that's true. Everything. Yeah,
0: that's true. Seeing it and it works see if the it's hardware. something
1: that you can use something if you you can use for your workflow. Community is also a pretty big aspect, I think. Either even even at the worst days, I think it's still one of our biggest aspects. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do have bad days. We do have bad days, but uh, yeah. so does
1: everyone. I've uh, seen mechanical keyboard subreddit go downhill, so I don't think it's something exclusive.
0: <laughs> I think that anytime you gather a certain number of people together about something they're passionate about, that's Inevitable, but it also brings out a lot of the passion. I think that is infectious when it comes to this community. There's, no, I've not seen anything like it. Uh where, where do we want to take this now? Boy, you kind of dodged that snap versus flat, flat pack question a little bit. Do you, That's what you want me to? <laughs> no, into? I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> I don't want to get into. I don't want to get into the. Uh, I don't. The the it just
1: turns toxic. It really does. It brings out. I don't like. I don't know. It's you think it's going to the, the audience is going to turn a toxic or you think one of us has like a stronger opinion about it one versus the other. I don't want to like,
0: say I don't want to say the like, I don't want to say my audience will turn toxic about it, but it's just I don't know. It's um I guess it's it's not something that I want to have shoved at the end of a episode, I guess. It If anything, it deserves its own discussion. You know, I think it needs to be with people representing snap and flat pack it was interesting though did you see that tweet from Alan Pope
1: yeah it, uh, the general one or the one about the zoom client
0: uh, the the general one about kind of the, yeah. the yeah, atmosphere was, the atmosphere that he perceived at canonical regarding desktop users and snaps
1: yeah it, it kind of hurt a little bit reading it to be honest because I think both platforms, should exist and are beneficial in the grand scheme of things. See, I we've uh, seen multiple times what happens with one vendor or one, one product is the only one on the market and just innovation just doesn't happen.
0: I think that whenever you have two similar products or similar platforms that eventually the, the community using those platforms will decide who the winner is, you know? And I, I, I agree with you. I yeah. think that right now, both of these solutions are great.
1: And I think they both bring things to the table that people need. I don't really know which one is going to do it because we have competing package managers that do basically the same thing in different ways, which never have been taking the de facto, would take the crown, basically. None of them really have in the grand scheme. To
0: me, I, I really don't – I don't care which one. I, I use both. I Like, for example, I've, I vastly prefer the Snap of OBS. The, uh, I think that Alan Pope and, and Martin Winpress actually did some work on that before they left Canonical, and it's fantastic. So that's the only version of OBS that I will use. And there certain, there's certain packages that I'm just familiar with that I know are Snaps. And so I'll just automatically install those. Instead of you know researching
1: if they're on a flat pack, I don't know. Yeah, at the end of the day, it just matters and which one gets you the result to mm-hmm. working software that you need at the time. I use flat packs on both Pop and Arch. Like, it just I know that I can grab some things if I need to grab something a little bit faster than even a the Arch will push out, or just things that I want to because flat packs generally just install on dot local if you're installing them as a user. So you just back up dot local. Restore it to whatever distro you want. Yeah, at nice. The end of the day.
0: That's nice. You seem like some. You you probably are someone who has to um, either for testing or just for personal exploration. Someone who maybe wipes their system quite a bit and you know does a lot of backing up and does a lot of restoring. What um, what do you think is the best solution for users like me and like you who are constantly checking out new distros? You know, what's the best backup and, and restore solution for
1: you? It kind of depends on what you're going for. The main important thing for me personally is files, files, files. Like I can reinstall programs fairly easy at any point. It's the files that are most important to me. So I just use mostly DejaDuke, which uh-huh. also is a time uh, scheduling feature with it as well. I would... Moved the Pika backup, which is written in Rust in its native GTK application, but it doesn't have a timer on it. So it doesn't like, schedule backups for me. So for me personally, DejaDub is kind of my de facto backup program, no matter what distro I'm on. That's the one that I uh, uh, originally time-sharp.
0: recommended just yeah. because
1: it's so easy. It's so easy to use. Pika is actually even easier. It just, you don't have the scheduler. Oh, so you just fire it. You just fire it off whenever you want to run the backup. And I think you have multiple points of backups, too. Like you could point to a drive or you could point to a network storage. I have DejaDuke now finally set up the backup to Nextcloud. I own Nextcloud on on the node. Oh, God. See, that's that's my end game, right? That's my end game is
0: getting everything I have synced up with Nextcloud.
1: It's actually pretty easy for the most part because it. This under settings in Nextcloud, it actually gives you like the URL you just need to copy in to the network server. You just put to the AVS, and then instead of HTTPS, and then tell it what folder you want to put it in. Yes,
0: but see, my end game also includes self-hosting
1: that Nextcloud instance. Uh, <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> because I need a lot of space, and then I've got to get I've got to get a NAS. There's so much I need to do. I I recently bought, uh, three or four months ago, I bought a four-terabyte external drive. And one terabyte of that is all the games that I use for benchmarking and testing. And three terabytes is video production. And I have used 2.5 terabytes already. You know, just source files and footage and and video editing stuff. and, And it is insane. How much space you use, how and how fast you use it when you're doing video production on a regular basis, it's bananas. I've, so I've got to get, I've got to get constantly. a NAS, I've got to get a server, I've got to get so much set up. But the nice thing is that that hopefully turns into content as well as I learn how to do it. Spread the knowledge. Well, tell us before you go where everybody can find you if you want them to find you.
1: I'm a fishful penguin. On Twitter, uh, I think my Twitch is at Honeycut. Um, yeah, those are the main ones. A Honeybun on Reddit, and I think those are like the major places. Well, Aaron, it has been a
0: blast talking to you about Linux and gaming. Uh, it th- you've got an open door policy if you ever want to come back and do it again. You know how to find me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's been fun. Thank you for geeking out with me. That's that's kind of what I think this podcast is all about it's me geeking out about my linux adventure or geeking out with someone else about their linux adventure
1: i always enjoy geeking out so (laughs) i think enjoy the time and for having me on yeah you (laughs) bet man all right we'll do it again soon
0: I've got to talk about Epic's massive announcement yesterday, where they are basically uh, extending official support for Easy Anti-Cheat, which is their um, in-house produced anti-cheat software, to Linux and Mac OS, but that's not really the most important part. The biggest deal from this announcement, is that they are also adding support for Wine and Proton. And um, in the in the headline over at the Epic developer blog, they actually call out Steam Deck. They say something like uh, support for Linux, macOS, and Steam Deck. And of course what that means is that even more of the most popular games on Steam are going to be supported now. So games that use... Uh, Easy anti-cheat are titles like uh, Apex Legends, Black Desert, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Gears 5, Dead by Daylight, War Thunder. Uh, So some big titles. And what that means is you're going to be able to not just play these games on the Steam Deck and on your Linux distro of choice, but you're not going to have to have that fear of being banned for, uh, you know, the... The, the servers or the developers flagging you as some kind of cheater. And so that is straight up amazing. And all the developers have to do according to Epic is just flick a few switches in the uh, the Epic online services portal that they use, kind of their, their back end, their dashboard. So that's awesome. But what we need to do is we need to make some friendly noise and uh, and get the attention of our favorite developers who are using Easy Anti-Cheat and say, hey, please flick those switches so that I can enjoy your game on the Steam Deck. Of course, there is another big anti-cheat service out there, and that's BattleEye. BattleEye is, uh, I mean, I, I know it from Destiny 2. I think that PUBG uses it. But right out of the gate, when, when Valve announced the Steam Deck, they made a promise. And their promise was that they were going to be working with anti-cheat developers to enable more support on Linux and thus on the Steam Deck. And with this Epic Games announcement, they have started making good on that promise. So I, I have high hopes that we're going to see BattleEye fall into place and that this move is going to inspire all of the other uh, anti-cheat developers. Maybe not Riot, but at least <laughs> the rest of them... To, uh, y- you know, to follow in Epic's footsteps. And Epic is a, is a pretty big market leader and they're a pretty, big, uh, a pretty big influence. So I hope that we see this and I hope that we see it by the time the deck launches. I have been, as you can see, I put these here on purpose. I've been a huge fan of portable gaming ever since the original Game Boy was released. And uh, I remember laying in bed, a bed that was kind of the size of this one, as a, as a teen with, uh, I think I had two games, Tetris and some Mario game. It could have been Mario or it could have been Final Fantasy Legends. I would play Tetris at night until the battery died and I would go to sleep dreaming about Tetris, and Tetris like blocks falling and, and uh, working out the puzzles in my head in my sleep. That game left such an impact and, and the concept of portable gaming has always been so appealing. I was really enthralled when Nvidia released the Shield as well, because that was kind of kind of the first big leap uh, that, that, that took our our PC gaming experience, which was at that point pretty much sitting on a desk with a keyboard and mouse and uh, and and made it portable. When I wrote my review of the Nvidia Shield at Forbes years ago. I think the the headline uh, included something like, Skyrim in bed, (laughs) because that was the dream. Oh my God, I'm playing Skyrim in bed. This could not be any any more amazing. Let's get to the meat of this video. My three hopes for the Steam Deck, and two of my biggest fears. My number one hope for the Steam Deck is that Epic Games launches their own uh, native Linux launcher. I think that would be amazing. Is it destined to come true? Uh, I don't know. is it likely? I think it is. And the reason I say epic is because I mean that would be a natural extension of what happened this week with um, with, with what is certainly a move that valve influenced right? I mean yes they're they're competitors in a way, but they're also they also stand to gain from each other's advancements in the PC gaming industry. So I think that Epic should create their own launcher for the Steam Deck, and by extension probably for, you know, desktop Linux in general. I don't think we need to see an Origin games client because a lot, I'm not sure if all, but a lot of EA's games are already going into Steam. And you can find a lot of their games on Steam now that used to be exclusives on on the Origin store. Uh, Ubisoft, kind of the same situation. The Ubisoft has some exclusives, but you do see a lot of the Uplay games on Steam as well. Epic is kind of the big holdout. Epic is the platform that, that seems to have more and more exclusives. Love them or hate them for that, that's, your, that's totally in your right to do. Uh, but we need an Epic Games launcher on Steam, and we need it on the Steam Deck. Thank you, Motorcycle. I wonder if it could be developed uh, kind of like a third-party contracted development for this. Because remember when Epic Games gave Lutris that $25,000 grant? Um, There's a relationship there. And, you know, Lutris has done a lot of work getting various uh, PC game stores and clients to work well on Linux. And so I really have to wonder... Could we see Lutris developing an official uh, Epic Games client for for Linux and thus the Steam Deck? We'll see, but that's that's one of my big hopes. My second big hope for the Steam Deck, AMD FSR. Um, Now, if you've seen any of the multiple videos that I've been doing on the channel about AMD's FSR, you have to agree that it has really impressive results. And. What I want to see specifically is AMD FSR built in, built in to SteamOS and, uh, and well, to Steam, basically. So imagine just having a, t- a little toggle where you can just check, yes, I want AMD FSR active on all of my games. AMD's Fidelity Super FX resolution would be especially useful for people who want to dock their Steam Deck, plugging it into a, a 1080p, 1440p, 4K monitor, uh, some, a hub of some kind. In my testing, AMD FSR has meant the difference between a stuttery, frustrating, unplayable mess to, hey, I can actually play this game at 1080p, low graphics, you know, fairly smoothly. And that is especially, especially important on any type of laptop or device that just has an APU or integrated graphics, no dedicated graphics card. It means that a lot more of those AAA games become playable. And you know, even if they are playable already on the Steam Deck with its 800-piece screen, having AMD FSR just just built in and working, if you want it to, means that you can play those games at higher resolutions with smoother frame rates. My third biggest hope for the Steam Deck, I want to see more Steam Decks. I, I would love to see uh, big PC OEMs like um, Alienware, like Dell, Razer, HP kind of create their own, put their own signature stamp on the Steam Deck and the form factor. And, you know, after all, it's, it's an open device. It's, it's not like... It's not like these guys, like a Razer or an Alienware, can come along and make their own Xbox or their own PlayStation. But if the Steam Deck becomes a, a viable, popular, um, mainstream thing, if people go, this is a PC console I need, if Valve nails the user interface and they uh, they continue to go on this crusade with, with other developers and publishers and getting all that game support... They do everything right. And this sells millions. I mean, it creates an industry. Of course, there are the, the little guys, the, the lesser known and more expensive uh, handheld PC machines, but those really haven't made a, a huge impact in the West. And if Valve makes that impact in the West with the Steam Deck, then we see maybe all of these other components competing Steam Decks come along, and what does that do? It drives down the price, it, uh, it, these guys do the Linux gaming marketing for us, and, and more people uh, are made aware of how awesome Linux gaming can be. Those are my three hopes. An official Epic Games launcher for the Steam Deck, AMD FSR built in to Steam, SteamOS, uh, the Steam Deck, and then some competing Steam Deck machines. Now as much as I like to stay positive, uh, I I do want to discuss the fears that I have. Because I think we need to... we need to temper our expectations a little bit. And I don't think these will see the light of day. I hope that they don't. But these are my two biggest fears for the Steam Deck. Number one, I worry that Valve may not be able to produce enough to meet the demand. If they nail the marketing, if they get everything right. Press is going to write about it. People are going to talk to their friends. They're going to create a lot of demand, and I I fear that they might not have the um, the capabilities to to meet that demand. But then again, if there were uh, if there were competitors in this space, then you've got more players in the game able to produce more hardware, and and while that wouldn't necessarily be. A big win for Valve, because it's not their hardware that they're selling. They're still putting Steam in more people's hands, and we're still getting Linux gaming in more people's hands, and so it's kind of a win-win. Anyway, let's hope they can meet the demand. I hope there is a lot of demand. And my second biggest fear about the Steam Deck is, um... actually that that people might walk away from the experience not liking Linux, having a, a sour taste in their mouth. Um, someone gets a Steam Deck for Christmas, for their birthday, they go out and buy it with their hard-earned cash, and they've, um, they're under the impression that they can play Destiny 2, they can play Fortnite, League of Legends, they can play whatever is in their Steam library because they have this product called the Steam Deck, right? But they can't. They can't play them for whatever reason. You know, despite Valve's best efforts, they weren't able to get whatever game working. Uh, they weren't able to convince this anti-cheat developer to support Proton, to support Wine, to support Linux. It's possible. As humans, our nature is we, we tend to tell more people about a negative experience that we've had than when we have a positive experience. And if Valve isn't able to continue delivering on the promises uh, that it could set Linux up for failure, And I don't want to see that happen. All right, my friends, that is going to do it for episode 53 of Linux for Everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you to everyone who spreads the word and shares the tweet on Twitter or, you know, just anyone who engages with what I'm doing across the board. Uh, thank you also to patrons and super fans and everyone who financially supports everything from the podcast to YouTube to the writing and, uh, and everything else that I have going on. You guys are my waddle. You are the wonderful waddle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm going to say goodbye and I will say hello again in a couple weeks alongside Jerry and Shickle. Until we chat again, you guys take care and take care of each other. Bye.